Are you on the brink of a divorce? Before you sign the papers, listen to this. Maybe today you're ready to throw in the towel. You already have divorce papers. You have that lawyer that somebody recommended, and you're already well on your way. God has brought you today to listen to this, to hear God can fix any marriage. God can fix your marriage. It is possible. God can fix any marriage if he has two willing hearts, willing to be honest, willing to repent, and willing to change. This is amazing grace. How's your marriage going these days? Maybe you've just been hanging in there for the kids or feel like you can't make it another day. There is hope, and we want to share that with you today on Abounding Grace. Last time, Pastor Ed Taylor shared God's definition of marriage, one man, one female, for one lifetime. But now we go on to discuss the purpose of marriage. It's with Genesis chapters 1 and 2 in view that we bring you Marriage Matters. The greatest tool of discipleship for a married person, the greatest tool of discipleship for a married person is your spouse. It is the the iron sharpening iron, or you could say the sandpaper upon sandpaper, smoothing out those areas in your life and mine so that we might become better people in Christ, which is ultimately our goal. Oneness is the ultimate purpose for marriage, which is why division and divorce is so devastating and has such long-lasting consequences. I'm not going to do this, but if I would, I could ask a question surrounding divorce that would potentially have every single hand in this room raised, and everyone online and everyone in their car will take their hand off the steering wheel and say, that's me. And I would ask the question this way. You don't need to respond but I would ask it this way. How many among us have either been the product of a divorce or know someone who has? And I'm going to say most everyone. Some of you grew up in a home with divorced parents. Some of you had a divorce in your own life. Some of you have neighbors that were, I was thinking myself, when we moved into our neighborhood many, many, many years ago, We all moved in together, you know, as they were building the houses in the community, and we knew our neighbors on both sides and across the street. And I remember our neighbors on this side, military family, a great family, and then all of a sudden, they disappeared. And they just, one day we were gone, and they were gone. And we came home, and we're like, I wonder what happened to them. We caught up with them because we knew them, and well, we know what happened. They got divorced, sold the house, and left. It didn't work out. And see, it's families like that that need the influence of godly, loving, caring, biblical men and women that share a fence line or share a street to be there for them in their tough times and even after their tough times. Some of you are still living with the effects of the divorce that touched your life. You still have bad habits. You still have deep trauma and pain. 
Some of you have deep bitterness and unforgiveness, and it's affecting your life today, not just something that was done years ago. It's affecting you today. And the good news is, is that God wants to change the whole family tree that you're connected to with your life. He wants to change, he wants to change generational habits and directions in your, in your family and going up and down by what he wants to do in your marriage. Everything can change with your life. It can go down to your kids, up to your parents, sideways to your aunts and uncles, by the life you live in the Lord. And as you choose in your own home, as you choose companionship over independence and selfishness, if you do that daily, you will strengthen the bonds of your marriage automatically. When you say no to your independence and that selfish streak, you will strengthen your marriage automatically. You know, in every marriage I get to officiate, this verse is inevitably used. So much so that they even illustrate it now with sand and with cords, with these special things. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I know you know it, but let me read it to you in verse 12. It says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Isn't that great? It's a beautiful picture of a marriage that is built upon the rock of Jesus. He is that third cord. He is the one. It doesn't say it won't be broken. It just says it won't be easily broken. You're going to make it through a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials when you cling to the Lord. Uh, if, If in the crisis marriages that I get to speak into, inevitably I will draw a picture for you. I will get a piece of paper and draw a picture of concentric circles. Because I want to remind you of God's will for your marriage. And in the smallest circle right in the middle, the bullseye, there are going to be three names in there. Your name, your spouse's name, and Jesus. That is the foundation of every single relationship in your life. Every single relationship. Even if you're not married, it's just you and Jesus right now. That is the foundation of every single relationship. Everyone that loves you and cares for you, that circle has to stay intact. Then I draw another circle and put your kids. Then I draw another circle and put your grandkids or your in-laws. Then I draw another circle with your friends. Then I draw another circle of the people you work with. And you get the point. You have different levels of relationships with people in your life. So as you affect these folks, this is what happens. The enemy is always wanting to break those lines and cause division and destruction in your life. He's always wanting to, you you think of it breaking lines, but you better be said, he wants to break all the relationships. He wants to separate you from people. He wants you fighting about things. He wants you separated and away from people that love you and people that you love because he knows the power of love. But really the lonely line he really wants broken is the little one. Because if he can break the little one, every other relationship is damaged. All the people that care about you, all the people that you care about will be affected by your marital decisions, including and up to divorce. However, they are also affected by your commitment to choose companionship over independence in a positive way. You become a beautiful picture and a beautiful strength to people in your life that can hold fast to the truths of God's word in your life. When you choose independence and selfishness, though, you weaken the bond and grow automatically distant from each other. And think about it. When you do that every day, every day you get farther and farther and farther away from your spouse because you're just independent. Even if your spouse is going forward and you're choosing independence, you're still getting farther and farther away. 
You might have heard it said, maybe it's coming out of, come out of your lips before, you know, Ed, I've just grown out of love with him. I don't love her anymore. Well, that may be your attempt to express a feeling that you have, that your marriage isn't what you want it to be, and now you have this feeling that you don't love your spouse anymore. But while the feeling may have gone away in that moment, what you actually should say is this, and I quote, I've chosen to disobey God by selfishly living independent of my spouse that I simply don't want to live with them anymore. I love myself much more than I love them. That's really what's being said. We are so separate. I have chosen to live independent and I don't want to be with them anymore. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, wait a minute. You got it all wrong. It's not me doing that. It's them doing that. Okay. So for the spouse that has a difficult marriage on the other side, you, you cling to the Lord. A person that clings to the Lord doesn't say things. As a matter of fact, a person that is wandering away from the Lord, you tend to love more, not less. That self-sacrificial agape love. Hey, don't think I'm not, I'm glossing over. Marriages can be hard. Marriages can be difficult. Don't, don't think that at all. I mean, you, you know, in our lives, Marie and I, there were at least, on at least two occasions that she wanted to divorce me. On one occasion, as a believer, after the loss of my son, after the death of my son, I really didn't think our marriage was going to make it. It was that bad. It was that challenging and that dark in our home as we were all grieving. It was scary. It was hard. I'm not glossing over the pain and hardship that might be in your family and might be in your marriage for whatever reason it might be. I just know this. When I get my eyes and my life centered on the things of the Lord, He takes good care of me and He helps me and He delivers you. So, so you, you can't just sit around blaming your spouse all the time. That's how the world does things. Just blame their spouse, blame their spouse, and then that somehow, look, whatever has happened in your marriage does not, like, so my, my but you don't understand, Ed, my, and, and I'm not talking about the big things that we already talked about, like abuse. So it's just normal marriage stuff. Well, you don't understand, Ed. He doesn't care. He's into this. She's over there. I don't care. She, like, you've you got all these reasons, and my question is always, but how is your walk with the Lord? I know there's a lot of things you don't control, but how is your walk with the Lord? Because it's two willing people that God can rescue a marriage, but even with one willing person, the work can begin. Just one willing person. Remember Jesus said the unbelieving in an, un in an unequivocal marriage, that you find yourself in an unequivocal, that the believing wife sanctifies the home. Remember, God works through the believer. So someone's sin against you doesn't give you permission to sin. And so if it is tough, then the one that's listening, and a lot of times the one that's listening is the one that comes to me with the problem, and then I'm sharing with her, how's your walking? You go, no, no, Ed, no, it's not me, it's them. No, but you're the one talking to me. So I'm going to say to you what the Lord has to say to you. And if you can by any way invite or challenge or bring your spouse in, I have the opportunity in some way to share with them the same exact thing so that God would rescue your marriage. In Philippians chapter 2, as we close, this is a great verse for your marriage. It should be a banner over your marriage, mine as well. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And as you abide in Christ, drawing strength from him, some of you have already been given the answer to your marital issues right now. 
abiding in Christ, drawing your strength and wisdom from Him. The, the issue at hand is not them, it's you. It's me. My selfishness destroys unity and harmony. Self-sacrifice really is made up of, like we think self-sacrifice is not just one big decision, but rather self-sacrifice is really made up of a million small incremental choices that we do every day. That we can't even keep track of them anymore. We can't keep, can't keep like the love says in 1 Corinthians 13, we don't keep record of wrong, but we also don't need to keep record of right either. We just live in a self-sacrificial way. Little things, just little things. It's just the little things that matter. Little things like coming home from work instead of hanging out with your friends afterwards, going to the club or the bar or whatever you might be doing. Come home and be with your spouse. Little things like when the baby's crying, you get up to help. Little things like being completely honest with your spouse all the time. There is no biblical precedent to be dishonest with your spouse. I can't tell you how, more one, more, how many times on more than one occasion Somebody has come up to me and said, such and such, there's this under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, such and such, and this, this, and I, and my question is, did you tell your, does your spouse know this? Well, it happened three years ago, and last night somebody told us not to us. so no, they don't know. You need to tell her. Oh, no, Ed, you don't know. Way, I couldn't tell her. It'll destroy everything, everything. No, no. Do you really think living the lie that you're living right now is God's will for your marriage? Where your spouse can't trust you? Where you, they don't even know if you're telling the truth or they live in this false world that you're a truthful person when you are not? Like only honesty can be the glue of every marriage. And God will work out the details. You can't undo the past, but you can't hide it either. It's impossible. You know why? The Bible says this. You be very sure of this. Your sin will find you out. And God just says, be honest. You can, and, and guys and gals, listen, you can be honest with your spouse without being a jerk. You can be kind. You can have a real relationship where you talk things through. It might get heated. It might be difficult, but that's a real relationship. It's give and take. It's true honesty. And when you're not honest, little by little, it's going to erode your intimacy. Little things like rearranging your schedule for someone else, surprising them, loving them, giving acts of kindness, cleaning the toilets, Walking the dog. And by the way, I, I would just like a dog to walk. I'd just like a dog to walk. But Marie and I aren't quite agreeing on that. <laughs> Love flows when we're com not competing anymore. Love flows when we're completing. Does I get that? Not competing, but completing one another. Serving one another. Love flows when we're building each other up, when we're not thinking of ourselves, but we're thinking of each other. Listen, and this is, some of this is from Pastor Steve Carr. I so appreciate him. He says this, he says something like this, you know, rarely in marriage does a spouse ask you to donate to them your kidney. That's, prove your love to me. I need a new kidney. Rarely does that happen. Similar to, you know, a lot of Christians say, oh, I'll, I'll die for Christ. I'll die for Christ. I'll die for Christ. You know, man, in our generation so far, most of us have never been in a position where our lives were in danger to die for Christ. The call should be for us, not I will die for Christ, but the real call and question is, will you live for Christ? Because you're already alive. So I'll live for Christ. I'll do whatever it takes. That's not so popular. 
It's same in marriage. Well, you know, if my wife asked me for a kidney, you can have it. Okay, that's great. But more often than not, that's not what happens in marriage. Instead, there is this daily, you know, what he says, a little pricking of the finger, a little pricking of the finger, a little pricking of the finger where, you know, you prick your finger. Those of you that have to check your numbers all the time, you know, you prick your finger so much it just becomes calloused. You got to prick another finger and another where you're just giving and giving, giving. Why? Because you want that number. And, and in marriage, that's, that's, that's what we're asked for every day. A little bit dying to yourself, a little bit dying to yourself, a little bit dying to yourself. Not a big one, although when the big one comes, being faithful in the little ones helps. But it's not the big one. It's the daily little things. A million of them. Love is self-sacrifice, living out the great commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because ministry comes from the home, not just to the home. Remember what Paul told Timothy? He said, you're looking for a leader in the church, an elder? Make sure that man knows how to lead his house well. That's often been interpreted like, oh, he knows all his kids are in order. And poor kids all throughout the ages, you know, they get treated like pastor kids and they have to be all perfect and everything has to be perfect. That's not what the Holy Spirit is saying at all. He's just saying this. If you don't know how as a man, as a leader to be, if you don't know how as a man to have a home that's seeking the Lord, what makes you think you're going to be a good church leader? That's all it really means. And if you can't, if your home isn't seeking the Lord together, you will be limited in what God entrusts you in his church. That's what he's saying. And I think we all in these last days want to be more equipped and more ready to serve. And so when you approach these things, we look at husbands and wives and future studies and like God is not, he, he, he knows we're not going to have the perfect home, but are you seeking the Lord? He knows we're not going to have the perfect home, but are you serving your wife and husband? He knows he's not going to have the perfect, but are you dying to yourself? Are you admitting that the big issue in your marriage is not merely them, it's me too? It's me too, and it's you too. However you got married, whether it was before in a courthouse or a big planned ceremony, you vowed before God and man, you made a promise and a covenant to your spouse. You might want to pull out the vows uh, that you shared. Maybe you didn't share vows. Email me. I'll send you the vows we use here, and you can use them. For better or worse, sickness or health, richer or poorer, until death do us part. That was the commitment that we made. Marie and I were married as unbelievers. We were married, like we entered into God's creative order of marriage, not even wanting anything to do with God. And you know what? We made the same covenant between God and man. The covenant we're still living out today. God expects us to keep our covenant because you made it before him. And the motivation, one final word, the motivation cannot be in marriage to please your spouse. Your motivation has to be to please the Lord. Because you know as well as I do, you can't always please your spouse. <laughs> and if that's your motivation, when it doesn't work the way you want it, then your heart gets hard. And it's just, it's a mess when we don't put God first. That's it. It's just a mess when you don't put God first and you don't learn. And there's a lot of resources available to help you along the way. You know, I just don't know how. Well, there is a lot of help. When you surrender to Christ, when you choose to please him first, he enables you to work at your marriage with real steadfastness and zeal. The covenant you've made before God, the covenant of companionship is the binding force in your heart that keeps you there long enough to see the changes you desire.
because sometimes people seek to please themselves so much they choose to just abandon their marriage. And God wants to help you work it out. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace and part of a study on marriage from Pastor Ed Taylor. We've titled it Marriage Matters. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. We couldn't be more excited about this month's offer. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, Face Your Fears. Are your fears holding you back from God's best in your life? Do you recognize that your fear is robbing you of your faith and your trust in God? This little book was put together to encourage you as you move from fear to faith. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. Dot store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of listeners just like you. And as we continue delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, in today's message, you spoke briefly about how God had rescued your marriage with Marie. Would you mind sharing a bit of that testimony? I think it might encourage someone listening right now. Oh, Larry, Marie and I now have been married 32 plus years by the grace of God. We were just teenagers when we met. Uh, Marie wasn't really even that interested in me at all, even though I was super interested in her. And so we finally did uh, come together as boyfriend and girlfriend in high school. Even though when we mention high school, automatically you think, oh, high school sweethearts. We weren't high school sweethearts. We were a very volatile, up and down, angry, always fighting couple. And it was primarily my fault. I didn't know how to honor her. I didn't know how to treasure her. I didn't know how to treat her with kindness or respect. And, and it drew out the worst in her, which was, was not good. But in one of those times of being together, um, we found out that Marie got pregnant. And fortunately, the Lord, um, even though we weren't living for him, weren't born again, weren't following him, he intervened and we had uh, that baby, Eddie. Um, what, a, what a beautiful, beautiful child God gave to us and our son, Eddie. And that boy kept us together. We broke up for a while. We came back together. We got married as unbelievers. And things got worse because... Now that we were married, I figured, man, um, she, she's here. She's not going anywhere. And I partied harder, and I got in more trouble, and, and she was ready to divorce me. And I was able to talk her into staying, and, and she's in that season of staying, and just one more time, one more time, which was probably like the hundredth one more time. We got into a, I, I, I got into trouble again with the law, and we were really um, struggling. She was ready to leave me again. Uh, very upset with me. I was ruining our family all over again. And we were only married for a couple years at that time. And it was just a disaster. A buddy of mine invites us to church. I get born again. She gets born again. And then God begins to teach me how to be a man, how to be a son, how to be a husband, how to be a dad, how to be an employee, how to be a, a constructive, productive member of society. And the Lord has taught us over the years 
Uh, I mean, really taught me how to treasure her, how to love her, how to serve her, how to dwell with her with understanding. I'm telling you guys, listen, the principles in God's word, they work empowered by the Holy Spirit. God can save your marriage. God can make you the wife that he wants you to be. He can make you the husband he wants you to be. The principles are there. They're not difficult. And when they're difficult to apply, the Holy Spirit empowers us. It's God working in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. So stick it out. Man, I love my wife more than I ever have after all these years of marriage. We're entering into such a great season. Um, She is such a special woman to me. Um, I'm learning in deeper ways how to serve her self-sacrificially. Hey, we don't have a perfect marriage, not not at all, but we have one where God is at the center. He helps us work out our issues. He helps us to surrender to him, humble ourselves. And even now, all these years, uh, the Lord is still with us. Uh, We love him. We love each other. We love our kids. We miss our boy in heaven. We miss our grandson so desperately. But the Lord, he is so good and so faithful, and he'll be faithful to you. That is super encouraging. Next time on Abounding Grace, our focus is on wives as we take you to Ephesians chapter 5. Join us then for more Family Matters. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.